My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 3, Episode 19 of Let's Not Meet, a True Horror Podcast. I'm 20 years old, and a front desk agent at a mid-range hotel in a small East Coast city. I'm a full-time student at the university, and I live alone in a one-bedroom apartment in a neighborhood made up of mostly college students. At the hotel, I've had to deal with my fair amount of unpleasant or creepy people, you know, since a young woman in a customer service job seems like an easy target. I was used to old ladies yelling at me, or inappropriately aged men making remarks on my appearance like, you have the most adorable smile, or I'm sure you're a heartbreaker, and I've usually been able to deflect. When I work weekdays, I'm always on the 3 to 11 p.m. shift, where we handle check-ins. It was a slow night, where we only had 28 check-ins to deal with, and by 8 p.m. my coworker Mindy and I had done all of our tasks and were leaning over the front desk chatting and watching the news, which blared perpetually from the TVs in the lobby breakfast area. We only had a handful of check-ins left, so we just kicked back and had our deck of cards and Chinese takeout all over the desk. A younger man checked in, and I remember thinking he was cute-ish. He had neat blonde hair, a boyish smile, and a weak chin, and was wearing khakis and a quarter-zip fleece. We had a pretty regular interaction, save for him making a lot of eye contact and smiling, and then he went to his room. About half an hour later, he came back down and asked us if he could get alcohol. We told him the convenience store was across the street, and they had beer and wine. And he and I joked a little about how it was closing soon, so he'd better run there. When he came back, he slid a 40-ounce across the desk towards me. With my customer service smile of vague cluelessness, I said, What's this? It's for you, he leaned against the desk. Front desk agents have to stand up, so the top tier of the desk was about chest height. And when he leaned over, he was right in my face. Oh, I can't drink right now, but thank you. I think you should be the one to enjoy that. He was insistent and I agreed that I would take one drink after work. Then I went into the office and put it with Mindy's stuff. She'd appreciate the free alcohol, but I didn't feel good about drinking a 40 from some too-friendly guy. We hung around the desk for a while. Mindy is the type of person who can keep someone talking for hours even if they don't want to, because her brain never runs out of content, and she treats everyone like she's known them for years. This meant that this guy, who we'll call Mr. Hansen, wasn't leaving anytime soon. They were talking about politics, and I heard him throw around some vaguely conservative rhetoric, but I pretended to be engrossed in my homework. He kept glancing over at me and trying to smile, but it was getting late. My feet hurt, and all I wanted was to be in my home, in my underwear, rolling a spliff with my cats all around me instead of allowing some 35-year-old to think that he could flirt with us. At one point, Mindy had to make a phone call, so he slid down the desk towards me. 
I looked up with my customer service smile back on. So, go to a small, liberal arts college, do you? He asked. My uniform shirt was short-sleeved, so you could see a couple of tattoos on my arm, and I have a nose piercing, so I assume that that and the music theory homework I was working on informed his guess. No, I go to the state university. My city's main attraction, besides its hippies and breweries, was my college, a pretty good state school, so it was somewhat surprising he didn't assume I went there instead. He was sizing me up, and I prayed that Mindy would be done with her phone call soon, but it was her long-distance boyfriend, and she had wandered into the back office to talk to him. He started talking about his experiences at his southern university and how he was a veteran, but got injured so he lived off pension or something, and didn't work, and he was just touring New England right now. The conversation somehow turned to his love life, but I'm pretty sure I was so spaced out by that point just thinking about how I was going to eat at least an entire frozen pizza when I got home that I didn't pay attention to what he was saying until it was clear and he asked me a question. Would you do that? He asked. Would I do what? Get freaked out because I don't work. A lot of chicks that I date think it's weird. I remember exactly what he said because I thought it was weird that he called girls chicks and how he spat it out. I nervously said, I, I don't know, I, I don't think so. The hotel was on the smaller side, and I was very aware of the fact that Mindy and I were the only employees in the building right then. He began to ask me probing questions about my love life along the lines of, are you single? No? Well, why do you like him? Would you like him if he moved away? Do you think that you'll be with him a long time? The last question freaked me out, and I wish I had asked him to stop asking me personal questions like that, but I'm polite to a fault, even when I'm not working, so I kept smiling and laughing and giving friendly but impersonal answers. You are very warm, he told me. Have you ever worked with kids? He talked about how a lot of girls he dates back wherever he's from, Ohio maybe, are shallow and materialistic, and how I seemed like such a down-to-earth girl, and I was such a cutie. And did I know about the girl-next-door trope? I'm like the girl-next-door, but cool, he told me. I imagine he was referring to my tattoos. At this point, I was physically queasy and uncomfortable, but I couldn't disengage. Guest reviews are hugely important in the hospitality business, so at this hotel we're strictly trained to let the guests treat you however they want. You can't upset them. It would probably have been reasonable at this point to ask him to leave the front desk, but I felt so helpless, and being assertive with people at work is so against my instinct that it didn't even cross my mind to say anything. Because of this, I had to stay there listening to this guy and politely accept his compliments. I assumed he typically got away with it, since he was attractive and clean-cut with a slight baby face. I kept praying for the phones to ring and for someone to ask me to perform some sort of complicated 
long task so that I could get away. But the only time I did was when a neighboring hotel called to ask if we had printer ink. Mindy was on the phone in the back until eventually Sam, our night auditor, arrived, and I realized that this guy had monopolized my entire last two hours of my shift trying to get me to sleep with him. Hoping Mr. Hansen would take this as a cue to leave, I went into the office and got my coat and backpack. When I came back out, I witnessed Sam count the drawer while Mr. Hansen was still standing there. Well, I hope you have a good night, I said to him. Are you walking out this way? He gestured down the hallway, which led to all of the rooms, as well as the door to the back parking lot. I told him I had parked out front, which thankfully was true, and I was able to get to my car successfully. I sat there for a while, responding to texts that had piled up on my phone while Mr. Hansen was diverting my attention. It was about a 10-minute drive from my hotel to my apartment downtown, and I noticed that a car was pulling out of the parking lot at the same time I was. It wasn't Mindy's car. She always stayed an extra half hour after her shift technically ended. But there was another hotel next to ours, so I assumed it was either an employee or a guest there. I wasn't too concerned when the Nissan was right behind me, but I noticed it had Florida plates, which a lot of cars around here do. I take a weird way, which involves cutting through the university hospital's enormous, needlessly complex parking lot, which spans about three blocks. It wasn't necessarily a quicker route, but I liked how there were never any cars there at this time of night, and I could go as fast as I wanted, in a Subaru Outback, so not in a cool way. The parking lot, as I said, is needlessly complex, which means stoplights, which all turn into blinking yellow lights after 9 p.m. Medians and grassy areas placed seemingly at random and a lot of twists and turns, which all go to very specific buildings and exits. I'm explaining this parking lot in so much detail to express how strange it was that this rental car was following me, this pretty nonsensical route. It's not a way that any kind of maps app would tell you to take since there are way more straightforward streets surrounding the parking lot. I initially assumed it was someone going to the hospital, since it was the only major facility in about a 100-mile radius, and the only well-funded one in an even larger area. A lot of people and their families stay at the hotel who were there for the hospital, so the monetary explanation that I gave myself seemed feasible. It was maintaining a polite distance, but it was one of those cars that had ultra-bright LED headlights, which were blinding in my mirrors, so the car was impossible to ignore. It followed me around each turn, and at one point, just to see, I went in a big circle around the south half of the lot. Surely enough, the other car made the same circle. My explanation was already crumbling, dissolved completely when I drove past the entrance to both the main hospital and the emergency room. Steady consumption of crime shows, scary movies, and true crime Reddit pages or podcasts have made me a very paranoid person. Serial killers really seem to love college-aged women. So at that point, I picked up that something was probably wrong. 
I figured I should avoid going back to my real apartment, especially since it's just begging to be broke into, with a lot of windows and a very old front door that opens directly to the outside. Obviously, at this point, I was relatively certain it was Mr. Hansen. Like I said, I'd have guests cross the line before, making me come out from behind the desk to hug them, touching me when I'm straightening up in the lobby, asking the front desk to bring a towel, and answering the door in various states of undress, etc. But I had never been followed or particularly fixated on. A hotel receptionist, even if they're good-looking, is someone you have a couple brief and pleasant interactions with, but you don't really think about them when they're not there. I decided my best bet would be to get back to the hotel. I looped back through town, the Nissan following at a polite distance still. I'll reiterate, it was trying to be as discreet as it could, keeping as far behind as it could while still keeping me in sight, but wasn't trying to intimidate me as much as, well, I'm not sure, maybe monitor me? Whatever his reasons, I was still afraid. I abandoned the use of turn signals and sped back to the hotel, calling the hotel along the way and asking Sam if he and possibly the security guard we contracted to patrol the property after 11 could meet me at the front door. When I arrived back at the hotel, I pulled around to the front, where Sam and the security guard were standing under the awning, while the Nissan hit the gas to the back lot. I explained the situation, and the security guard went out the back door to look out for the car and its driver. When he came back, he said that he spoke to a preppy blonde guy outside, who was coming inside. He said he had just been out to smoke a cigarette, and he was returning to his room. The security guard asked him if he'd seen a Nissan with Florida plates, and he said that he hadn't. There wasn't much more that we could do at that point. Luckily, I wouldn't be working for a couple of days after Mr. Hansen was set to check out, and we were fully sold that weekend, so he couldn't extend his stay even if he wanted to. All guests are asked, upon check-in, to write down the make, model, color, and plate of their vehicle on the registration card. So, just to confirm, I pulled out his registration card. Sure enough, silver Nissan Altima with Florida plates. Here's what he wrote on his TripAdvisor review. Great stay. Room was clean. Breakfast was hot. And all that I could ask for. LOL. The best thing about the hotel was the staff, though. I had a lovely time with the two ladies at the front desk. He quoted my name, especially a very sweet girl. I hope to be seeing her sooner rather than later. Mr. Anson, we won't meet because my manager put you on a banned list. This story took place around two years ago. I was driving to work, which was a five-hour drive. It was already dark. After about three hours of driving, I started to get tired. 
I bought myself a coffee and some snacks at a gas station, then continued my trip. But snacks and coffee can only keep you awake for so long, and I started to feel tired again. The part of the road that I was on was nothing but thick, dark pinewood forest all around me. There were no other cars on the road, nothing, only insects, smashing on my windshield every now and then in an empty road. I was now extremely tired, and at one point I nearly drove off the road for almost falling asleep. I have to sleep now, I told myself. I can't wait for a gas station. I need to stop as soon as I see a place where I can park my car, anything. When I'm tired, I fall asleep really fast, and if I'm tired enough, I can fall asleep in the middle of a sentence when I'm talking, so it's a bit urgent for me to find a place where I can stop. After what felt like an hour, which was probably just five minutes, I spot a little pocket on the road. It's like a parking space for quick stops, like for peeing or switching drivers, stuff like that. Not even a real resting area. I stopped here, rolled down my windows to check if I heard any weird noises. There was total silence. And then I roll up the windows again. Nothing bad is going to happen. I haven't seen a car for 30 minutes. This road is empty. If someone is checking out my car, I bet it's the cops checking on me to see if I'm all right. I tell myself this. I leave my keys in the ignition, and I lock the doors just to be safe. I adjust my seat a bit to make it more comfortable to sleep, and I take off my shoes and put them on my passenger seat to the right. It felt so nice to close my eyes that I instantly fell asleep. I don't know why, but something wakes me up. I can't really see anything. Some kind of bright light hits me in the eyes. First, I thought it was a flashlight. But then I realized that it was high beams from another car in my rearview mirror. They were blinding me. I look in my left mirror, and I see a man walking up beside my car. Maybe he wants help with something. Should I make it clear to him that I'm in here? He's right beside my left back door. Should I step out to ask what he's doing? I didn't have to. The man proceeds to jerk and pull on my left back door handle. I almost shit my pants when I realized that he was trying to force his way into my car. My seat is adjusted for me to lay down, and I had pushed it back where I couldn't reach the pedals, which makes it impossible for me to drive my car. I slam my car horn, and it breaks the silence with a roar. The man jumps. That gives me two seconds to push my seat to reach the pedals, but it's still way out of adjustment, so I'm kind of pulling myself to the steering wheel because my seat is laying flat and isn't supporting my back. Anyway, I start the car and drive off, with a cloud of smoke from my screeching tires. It's hard driving a car with nothing holding your upper body up, but I managed. As I leave, I look in the rearview mirror and I can see the man standing there as he looks at me. Then I can see two more guys that appear beside him. What I can see in the silhouette of their beams is that one of them had something in their hand, like a wrench or a crowbar. I drove as fast as I could, way over the speed limit. My whole body 
was trembling with adrenaline and fear. I drove like that for 30 minutes, until I stopped at a gas station to fix my seat and put my shoes on again. I figured that I was only sleeping for maybe 10 minutes. Well, I didn't have to sleep until I got to my destination, which is surrounded by heavy-duty fencing and the building has an alarm. I told my boss the next day at work, and they actually have had problems with what we call in Sweden road pirates. Criminals that force you to stop on the road and rob you of everything, including your car. In that specific area. Could it have been three nice guys that just wanted to check if I was okay? But then, why wouldn't they just knock on my driver's window? This happened in the year 2000. I was 21, living with my best friend in a two-bedroom apartment in a pretty rundown area. Fortunately, there was no crime. We were two broke kids and it was all we could afford. Fortunately, there was no crime. I spent my days juggling classes at a local community college and working retail. I was single at the time and I would often spend that time online all night on chat rooms and Usenet. I had met this girl in a local area chat room, and we had been hitting it off, or so it seemed. I'd email her, and we would chat on ICQ. She had sent me a few pictures, and I was really into her. She was pretty, with a curvy body, pretty much my type. Her name was Beth, and she had told me Beth by Kiss was her favorite song. This one rainy night in February... We were talking, and she had asked me to come over. She lived a few towns over, maybe an hour away. Like I said earlier, we were hitting it off, and honestly, I found myself liking Beth a lot. So I jumped at the chance to actually meet her in person. We made plans for me to pick her up and go to the Waffle House. I showered and got dressed. Nothing too fancy. One of those long sleeve shirts with the stripes across the chest jeans, and a hoodie. I didn't want to overdo it, but still, I wanted to look decent. By the time I left, it was almost 11, and my roommate was asleep in his room. I headed out excited and nervous. In hindsight, I should have stayed home. It took a lot longer to get there than I thought it would, probably thanks to the rain, but sure enough, her directions took me right to her place. A double-wide trailer in a rural area trailer park. I walked up the stairs of the front porch and knocked on the door. I've always been pretty shy when talking to girls that I liked, and I was still nervous when she opened the door. The door opened just a little, and a little voice told me to come in. I walked in, apologizing for taking so long, in a little bit of a nervous daze. She said that it was okay and to have a seat. I sat on the couch, and then for the first time, as I looked up and at her, I realized this was not Beth. This was a much older woman, maybe in her 40s, wearing only a bathrobe, sitting across from me. I don't want to body shame, but I need to point out that she was huge. I'm a big guy over six foot, with a big hoss-type body, 
and she was much bigger than I was. I glanced around, trying to figure out what was going on. I saw pictures of the Beth that I knew on the wall. The same pictures that I've seen. And I notice there's a guy in the pictures with this older woman. I looked back at her and instantly noticed that she was staring at the clock nervously. I asked what was going on and she started mumbling nervously. Actually, imagine a child telling you what they had done when they got in trouble. That's how she was talking, like a child caught red-handed. I pieced together that she used the other pictures of a girl around my age. I'm assuming the girl was a niece or something. In her mumbling, she said that it was later than she realized, and he would be home soon. My mind instantly raced to a friend telling me his uncle caught his wife using pictures of their daughter to lure younger guys over for anonymous sex. I then quickly realized the guy in the pictures was her husband, and I was in the same situation. While I fully respect others' relationships, I was instantly ready to get out of there. No longer nervous, I told her I was not going to mess around with a married woman. I told her to no longer contact me, and I was leaving. I was pissed. Not only had I been lied to, but I had been cheated on before. I know exactly what that felt like and refused to have part in what that person was doing to another person. As I walked out the door onto the porch, she yelled to wait. I turned around instinctively to see her coming towards me. She grabbed me and started trying to kiss me. I pushed her away and told her to stop. Her face turned into a mask of pure insanity. She rushed towards me once again, trying to kiss me. I tried to hold her back, but in a second, she tackled me, knocking me over, falling on top of me. She kept grabbing me, grabbing my genitals, kissing me, and crying like a baby. She kept screaming for me to fuck her. I was trying to push her off, but the fall had knocked the wind out of me. Not to mention, like I said, she was huge. I kept wrestling with her, trying my best to somehow get my legs worked between us. I pushed them as hard as I could to knock her off of me. She stumbled up and fell over onto her porch furniture. Adrenaline overtook me as I ran as fast as I could down the stairs to my car. As I was sliding into my seat, I saw her picking herself up at the bottom of the stairs. She must have fell down them trying to get me still. I backed down the driveway, and as I looked back before driving away, she was coming down the driveway, her bathrobe hanging half off of her and her naked body exposed and covered with scratches and dirt from her fall. I drove off as fast as my Ford Escort would take me. I don't know how I didn't wreck from constantly looking in the rearview mirror, hoping that she wasn't following me. I found my way back to the main road, and before long, I realized... I went the wrong way. I pulled up to the first gas station, intending to turn around. I noticed nobody was following me, and the gas station was well lit and only had a few cars. I felt safe and parked, 
trying to get myself together after that insane scuffle. I still can't believe how scared I was. If you would have seen that face and been through that tackle, you'd understand. I collected myself and got out of the car to use the bathroom and make sure I wasn't hurt. The adrenaline was wearing off and random pains started creeping in. It was then that I noticed the gas station was uphill overlooking that trailer park. I could see her standing at the bottom of the driveway. It looked like she was holding her head, crying. At first, I felt bad for her. I'm a nice person to a fault. I've often let myself get sucked into bad situations by feeling bad for a person that I should not have. I remember this crazy person crying, and I felt bad. Then I remembered her crazy shit and the pain creeping back into me, wondering if she seriously hurt me. So I used the bathroom and left. As I was getting back into my car, I looked back one more time. I saw a car in the driveway and a man yelling in the front yard. I guess he got home while I was peeing. I can't imagine what it had to be like coming home to your wife standing naked in the driveway, crying. Judging by her mumbling before the insanity, I figured she wasn't a good liar. I got home, and the next day told my roommate what had happened. I didn't want to at first. I felt ashamed for some reason. Though, like I said, he was my best friend. He knew there was something wrong. Not to mention, I was limping around. My entire body was killing me. He figured she was unhappy with her marriage, or maybe her screwing around made her a little crazy. Or maybe she was already crazy, and the situation just set her off. Maybe it was drugs or something, I don't know. I cut off all contact, and it's been almost 20 years since that night. I've never seen or heard from Beth again. I'm 41, happily married. My best friend is still my best friend, even though we no longer live in the same state. We never really talk about it. Outside of this, I've only talked about it to my therapist that I visited during a particularly hard time in my life. My wife doesn't know. I still feel pretty ashamed about it. The therapist told me it was probably PTSD, not to mention guilt from perceived gender roles. Maybe. Beth, I don't know if you got help or got worse. I don't care. I hope I never see you again. Let's not meet. to extend a huge thank you to everyone in the medical field right now, all the nurses and doctors out there helping during this pandemic and this trying time. Uh, there are a lot of you that are quarantined at home, and those of you that are still in the workforce, like my wife and I, whenever you get off, uh, you go straight home and you're quarantining yourself as much as possible. It, it's tough right now out there, but I wanted to let you know that I'm not going anywhere. I've started recording at home again. I built a makeshift recording booth for the time being. Hopefully everything sounds okay. Please let me know. Now, I'm not an expert or a doctor, but I would like to just give everyone a little bit of advice. Please do not panic. I've seen a lot of panic ruin a lot of people's lives and cause a lot more trouble than there needs to be. 
This is rough, but we're all going to get through it if we work together and take care of each other. That's what's important. That being said, there will be no break between Season 3 and Season 4 of Let's Not Meet. The Patreon will continue as well. If you'd like to gain access to bonus episodes and content, head over to patreon.com forward slash let's not meet podcast and you can support me that way. This week on Let's Not Meet, you have heard. I had a lovely time with two ladies at the front desk by Reddit user GetErect53. Don't park on the sides of the road to sleep by Reddit user Plutonium Horse. And finally, that's not your picture by Reddit user Cargo Ghost. Don't forget to send your stories in to let's not meet stories at gmail.com. Again, please take care of yourselves and everyone that you love and that you know. We'll get through this, and I'm here to keep you guys entertained and spooked during this trying time. I'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet. <laughs>